What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the channel. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you for supporting. This is Just Another Critic, and today we're going to be talking about some of the biggest takeaways from week one in college football. Um, before I get into that, big shout out to Harris Highlights for the background video. You know, something for you guys to keep your eyes uh, busy while I'm going ahead and talking over these main points today. Um, like I mentioned, biggest takeaways from week one. It was a big week in college football, big games. Um, but I'm simply going to be touching on some of the more uh, crucial matchups that happen in week one. And just to go ahead and get started, biggest takeaway, number one, the Big East of the Big Ten. Um, not exactly as strong as advertised. Uh, we didn't exactly see the Michigan State team that we thought we would see, the Michigan team, or uh, even the Wisconsin team. Uh, and I'm actually a Badgers fan, so Wisconsin, we'll start off with them. Struggled offensively. The running game still looks strong as ever. Uh, passing game, still lots to clean up. Hornybrook showed some signs uh, of Russ, especially from last year. Uh, he closed out the season last year pretty, pretty strong. Uh, with three touchdowns, zero picks versus Miami. But he just didn't look as clean as I'd like him to. Uh, moving on to Michigan State, struggled in the opener versus Utah State. And then, of course, we had Penn State in a close one going into overtime. Ended up uh, barely pulling it out, 45-38. to 38. Um, Of course, Wisconsin is not in the Big Ten East. I thought I'd mention them. Um, but Big Ten East, and then we had Michigan lose as well to Notre Dame. Um, so as far as, you know, my takeaway from week one, the biggest one would would be the Big Ten East. Uh, those three teams struggling heavily in week one, Michigan being the only one to lose. Um, and that's definitely something we're going to be able to learn more about as the season goes along. If Michigan just had some, you know, some some growing pains with a new quarterback, uh, defense itself did look to get better as the game went along. But um, with that being said, Big Ten East, definitely a lot of question marks surrounding those teams um, coming into the season. And then moving on, the biggest teams I saw struggle. I guess this would be the biggest takeaway, the second biggest takeaway from week one. Biggest teams to struggle, Miami, FSU, and USC. Now, personally, I have nothing against Miami, but their fans are just, man, they just are so hyped on Miami that it was kind of irritating to me listening to their their fans just talking about how much they were going to destroy LSU. Uh, LSU is, you know, one of the worst teams, da 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 da, da. just talking so much trash about LSU. And personally, I was um, talking to a lot of the fans, you know, through Twitter and whatnot, and letting them know, like, LSU's always had the talent. They've always had the talent. They've just been lacking the coaching. Um, they haven't had a decent quarterback in a minute now. So I, I saw the possibility that LSU was actually going to go ahead and win this game. If you watch one of my more recent videos in my week one predictions, I did go ahead and predict LSU to win the game versus Miami. And the way that they did it was certainly impressive. I didn't expect that. I did expect LSU to pull it out. Um, but the U, the U question marks surrounding um, their quarterback, Malik Rozier, um, he definitely didn't have the game they wanted him to. And I saw a lot of the fans 
um, of Miami bashing him, saying they've got to pull this guy, they've got to change QBs. Uh, but in my mind, I was thinking these are the same fans that were praising him last season during you know the successful times. So you've got to you you can't do that to your guy. You know, just support him when he's doing good and bash him when he's doing bad. Um, FSU, obviously DeAndre Francois, he's he hasn't played a game in about a year since his injury, so I definitely you know understand that there may be some rust that he's got to shake off, um, especially uh, FSU in general. Their O line has a lot of things to clean up. They certainly could have protected him more on plays, um, but I'm not taking any any credit away from Virginia Tech. They did everything they needed to do. Uh, they prepared very well. But DeAndre Francois himself did make some poor decisions out there in making certain throws. I think that's something that he's just going to get better as the season goes along. Um, and then USC, I just didn't like the way USC looked on both sides of the ball. Um, of course, they've got a freshman quarterback, so we do have to give them a, a little bit of slack. They've got a lot of freshmen in, in the lineup on both sides of the ball, so um, it's definitely something we're going to have to see, you know, what, what it comes to uh, as, the season, as the season moves along. Um, with that being said, third biggest thing I saw in week one uh, was Clemson. The Clemson quarterback position I don't think is solidified just yet. They have Kelly Bryant, but I do think Trevor Lawrence is going to be the main guy possibly by you know game seven or game eight or even at midseason. Um, early on, they struggled. I think the score was 10 or 13 to 0 with about three minutes left in the first half of that Clemson game. So they weren't able to get anything going um, until they brought Trevor Lawrence in. He scored three, you know, three throwing touchdowns. Kelly Bryant had one rushing touchdown, one passing touchdown. Um, so with that being said, it, it kind of looks like there is a quarterback controversy down there that could be, you know, boiling up. And I do think Trevor Lawrence will end up taking the position uh, for the Clemson Tigers around midseason. I think, um, you know, obviously coach is still trying to fill out both guys, give Kelly the chance. Um, but I do think Trevor will probably be the guy by midseason or late midseason. Now, uh, with that being said, my surprise performances of the week were by LSU. Like I mentioned, I did think they would pull out the win. I just didn't think it would be as impressive as we saw. Notre Dame. Now, we're st we still have a lot of question marks about Notre Dame, even though they looked really good versus Michigan, because we don't know just yet, was it because you know it was a poor Michigan team or Notre Dame is just that good? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Michigan looked you know, lackadaisical on offense, didn't look very sharp. Notre Dame just... They came to play. They came to play at home. Um, Wimbush was making plays, escaping uh, the rush, and just doing everything he needed to do in order to get his team downfield and into positive positions. Um, and last surprise performance, even though they lost, I think they looked really good, was Washington. And me personally, I've been very critical of Washington coming into this season. Um, about their secondary. I know a lot of um, you know analysts were hyping up their secondary saying they're probably you know the top three secondary in the nation and they looked really good um, but besides their defense the thing that impressed me even more um, was not only their red zone defense 
they were holding, you know, Auburn out of the end zone uh, for practically almost every drive that they got down in that area. And as well as their wide receivers, ridiculous catches by their wideouts, um, just making plays for Jake Browning, honestly. Um, so with that being said, Washington, I think they're going to go ahead and dominate the Pac-12 this year uh, based on the performance we saw in week one. Um, but yeah, with that being said, I want to go ahead and touch on some of the uh, Heisman performances of week one uh, from some of our top Heisman candidates. I thought, uh, and this is in no particular order, I thought some of the best performances was by uh, Jonathan Taylor. I think he had two rushing touchdowns, about 140 rushing yards. We had Will Greer, uh, five throwing touchdowns versus Tennessee. He tore it up. He looks really good out there. Uh, we had Tua, of course, Tua so efficient. Um, I believe he had three touchdowns, one rushing, two passing, and he was 12 for 16 for about 250 yards. So he really didn't even throw very much. But when he does uh, get the ball in his hands, he typically makes really good decisions. Um, and then we had Mackenzie Milton over at UCF making plays through for five touchdowns in a solid victory over Connecticut. And last of the uh, Heisman candidates was Justin Herbert. He had five touchdowns. He did throw two picks, and it was versus Bowling Green, so we still have more to see from him. And then my sleepers in the Heisman column would be Rodney Anderson of Oklahoma. He had uh, about 100 or so rushing yards and two touchdowns, as well as Cole McDonald. Cole McDonald from the University of Hawaii. Um, I know a lot of you guys are like, what the hell, University of Hawaii? I know, right? I, I rarely talk about them. I am from Hawaii, so they do have a spot in my heart, but this has nothing to do with that. Um, the kids accounted for 11 touchdowns in two weeks and nearly 1,000 yards in two weeks. So it's possible that he may be the McKenzie Milton of this year. Um he looks really good. He's making some really good decisions. He's got great wide receivers surrounding him. Um, and we're, we're going to have to see more from him, of course, because it's only been two games. But he's just one of my sleepers that may climb in the Heisman uh, the Heisman watch list. But, um, yeah, with that being said, I think I've pretty much covered everything. I appreciate you guys watching. Um, I would love to hear you guys' opinions. Um, hit me up on Twitter, just another critic. And with that being said, if you guys agree with me, great. If you don't, great. As, I, as I've told you many times before, I'm just another critic, someone who loves the game. And you guys have a great rest of your day. Hope to hear from you soon. Peace.